أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد وعن سيدنا عمر بن عبسة رضي الله تعالى عنه من حديثه الطويل المشتمل على جمل كثيرة من قواعد الإسلام وآدابه قال فقلت يا نبي الله فالوضوء حدثني عنه قال ما منكم رجل يتقرب أو يقرب وضوءه فيتمضمض ويستنشق فيستنثر إلا خرت خطايا وجهه من أطراف لحيه أو لحيته لحيته عفوا مع الماء ثم يوصل يديه إلى المرفقين إلا خرت خطايا يديه من أنامله مع الماء ثم يمسح رأسه إلا خرت خطايا رأسه من أطراف شعره مع الماء ثم يغسل قدميه إلى الكعبين إلا خرت خطايا رجليه من أنامله مع الماء فإن هو قام فصلى فحمد الله تعالى وأثنى عليه ومجده بالذي هو له أهل وفرغ قلبه لله تعالى إلا انصرف من خطيئته كهيئة يوم يوم ولدت ولدته أمه أو يوم ولدته أمه فحدث عمرو بن عبس رضي الله تعالى عنه بهذا الحديث بهذا الحديث أبا أمامة صاحب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال له أبو أمامة يا عمرو بن عبس انظر ما تقول في مقام واحد يعطى هذا الرجل فقال عمرو يا أبا أمامة لقد كبرت أو كبرت سني ورق عظمي واقترب أجلي وما بي حاجة أن أكذب على الله تعالى ولا على رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو لم أسمعه من رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إلا مرة أو مرتين أو ثلاثا حتى عد سبع مرات ما حدثته, ما حدثته أبدا به ولكني سمعته أكثر من ذلك رواه مسلم So this is a very uh, 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 very beautiful uh, hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Sayyidina Amr bin Abbas radiallahu anhu, who we mentioned uh, before the break, was a, a person who said that in Jahiliyyah, I used to consider idol worship, or, idol worship to be bogus nonsense. Uh, but I just kind of kept it to myself. So when I heard that there's somebody in Makkah Mukarramah who also uh, 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 um, denounces the worship of idols and who teaches people good teachings and tells them about the ghayb. He said that I went to meet him. And when I met him, I asked him, what are you? He said that when I, I went to meet him, I asked him, what are you? He says, I am the messenger of Allah. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa this is one thing, mashallah, you should have modesty, but you shouldn't, your modesty should have some sort of had. You don't compromise on the haq because you're modest or because you're uh, humble. When it came to the haq, Rasulullah said it straight. He said, I'm the messenger of Allah. He said, who were you sent to? He said, I was sent to the, the, uh, uh, to the rich and to the poor. To the uh, master and to the slave. To the free man and to the slave. And it said that at that time, Sayyidina Abu Bakr was sitting on one side of the messenger of Allah وسلم, and Sayyidina Bilal who was sitting on the other side. He said that I was sent to the, the free man and to the slave. Meaning the patrician and the, the plebeian, regular people and, 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 and to uh, the, the elite and to the regular classes of people, for everybody. And uh, uh, he asked certain questions of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, what were you sent with? He said, I was sent with uh, 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 um, 
to teach people to uh, 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 honor their parents and keep their kinship bonds and to uh, 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 worship none other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to not make uh, uh, associates with him of anything. And so this is also part of the prophetic uslub that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa teaching the teachings of Islam, what did he start with? He started with something which is a common currency of, of, of the ethics and morality of all the Arabs, which is keeping your kinship bonds. That was something that they used to uh, do religiously in Jahiliya as well, and they used to consider it a, a, an honor, filial piety, to honor your parents, to honor your relatives, your kinship bonds. He mentioned that first. Why? Because the person's heart will uh, then open up and incline to whatever he says afterward. And then afterward he said that, that to worship none other than Allah Ta'ala and to not uh, associate any partner with him. And so what happened is that he uh, accepted the, the, the deen and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave him the shahadatain. And then he told him, go back to your people. Because you're not going to be able to survive the difficulties that come over here. So he, he says that just wait for the news of our victory and then come join us. So he said that I wait, I waited, I heard all the stories, every caravan which would come from Makkah Mukarramah, I would ask them what's going on over there, and so they would tell me about everything play by play as it happened. Then I heard about the Hijra, I heard about all of these things. He said, once I heard about the victory in the Battle of Badr, then I said, this is my cue, and he went straight to Medina Munawwara, and he saw the Prophet wasallam asked, do you recognize me? He says, yeah, you're the one who came to me in Makkah Mukarramah. He said, Ya Rasulullah, teach me those things that Allah Ta'ala taught you. And so the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, teach me about wudu, what is wudu? And so uh, uh, he said, uh, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that there's no one amongst you that will offer uh, uh, his wudu to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Uh, here is, يُقَرِّبُ وُضُوءَهُ يَعْنِي قَدَّمَهُ قُرْبَانًا Offers it as a sacrifice to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that none of you will. Uh, give your wudu to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, uh, in which they rinse their mouth and they sniff water in their nose and snort it out except for the sins of the uh, 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 face uh, 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 and, and will drip from the person's face from the side of their, their two jaw bones uh, as the, the water drips out. And uh, 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 he continues, he says that a person will not uh, wash their two arms to the elbows except for the sins of the arms will fall from the f- tips of their fingers as the water falls. And a person will not wipe his head except for the sins of the head uh, will fall from the uh, sides of the person's hair with as the water falls. And God knows that all the craziest sins are all cooking up inside here. Uh, Allah Ta'ala forgive us and protect us. Then the person will uh, not wash their feet except for the sins of the feet will fall off by the, the, the toes uh, as the water falls off. So this describes what? That the wudu itself is a, something through which a person's sins are forgiven. If we thought about the wudu like this, then all of a sudden it feels like you feel like we want to make wudu, mashallah. Uh, but we don't think of it like that. That's why we think of it like a waste of time that, that we have to, you know, something we necessarily have to rush through before getting to the salat. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that uh, uh, after that's done, when a person stands and prays, and he praises Allah Ta'ala, and he extols Him, and he magnifies Him uh, in a way that, that, he, that, that is befitting of Allah Ta'ala. And these three, these three uh, uh, expressions, to understand what they mean, you have to reference another hadith that's narrated in the Muatta of Imam Malik, that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that when a person 
recites the Fatiha. When he says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers and says that my slave has praised me. My slave has given me hamd, he's praised me. And when you say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, uh, 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 when you say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Allah Ta'ala responds by saying, Athna alayya abdi, my, 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 my slave extolled my virtues. And when you say, Maliki yawmiddin, then Allah Ta'ala says, Majjadani abdi, my slave has magnified me, exalted my, my, uh, 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 my station. Uh, and then after that, a person says, uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala will say, this statement that you do we worship and your aid do we seek, this is, this is the, the bond between me and my slave, and whatever my slave asks of me, I'll give him. And then a person says, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Which is a dua. Ya Allah, guide me to the straight path, the straight path, etc. The rest of the Surah Al-Fatiha. And Allah Ta'ala accepts that, that dua from the, the slave then. So this is uh, also what is saying the same thing. That the person, how do you pray and you make hamd of Allah and thana on him and tamjid of him. It's by reading the Fatiha. بِالَّذِي هُوَ لَهُ أَهْلٌ In a way that's befitting to him. If we were to use our own words to praise Allah Ta'ala, they would not be befitting. Rather, Allah Ta'ala taught us the words to praise Him that, that, he's, that, that are worthy of His praise. Otherwise, there's a story in the Methnawi that Sayyidina Musa salam entered into a hut and he saw a, a man, old man, making dua. He said, Ya Allah, if you came to my house, I would uh, massage you and I would massage your feet and I would put oil in your hair and I'd pick the lice out of your head and things like that. Sayyidina Musa then became angry and said, Astaghfirullah, do you see what you're saying? Allah is not a person. You, how are you going to you know, say all these things that lice in the head? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? And, and then he gets reproached in a, in a vision that, Ya Musa, this was my slave. He doesn't know anything better than, than, than what he said. That was the only thing he knew he could say. He's a simple-minded person. Why did you go crazy on him? To him, he didn't know anything better than that. He was just expressing his love in the only way he knows possible. Uh, uh, so the idea is that this also this is a blessing from Allah Ta'ala that he revealed to us the words that, by which we praise him that he is worthy of. And so when a person does that, وَفَرَّغَ قَلْبَهُ لِلَّهِ تَعَالَى And that person makes his heart free of anything except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that moment. That person will not leave the prayer except for, uh, uh, leave the prayer sinless like the day that he was, like the way that he was, the day that his mother bore him. So that's pretty big deal. Usually people think, oh, this only happens when you take shahada or it only happens when you go on hajj. If you pray properly... You leave from the salat like the day that you're sinless and free of sin like the day your mother bore you. This is a really big deal. And in many ways, it's more difficult than going on hajj. Why? Because it's something you do every day. Who, who makes time for this? Who makes their wudu like this? Who prays like this? How many times are you going to do it? Five times a day you're going to do this? It's very difficult. In many ways, it's more difficult than, than going on hajj one time. So the hadith continues... Amr bin Abbasa narrated this hadith to Abu Umama, who is another companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May Allah Ta'ala be pleased with both of them. Abu Umama said to him, "Pay heed to what you have said. Will someone be given so much reward for standing in prayer just once?" Amr responded to oh, Abu Umama, "I've become old in age, and my bones have become weak, and my death approaches. There is no benefit for me in forging a lie against Allah Most High nor against His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam." And was it that I only heard him sallallahu alayhi wa say it but once, twice, or three times, and he counted up to seven. 
He said, I would not have mentioned it, but I've heard it from him more times even than that. So this is, this is a, a hadith with regards to what? Hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The idea is that no sins that a person commit are anything in the face of the, the mercy of Allah ta'ala. And there are so many opportunities for Allah ta'ala's mercy. And when you read hadith like this, it makes you wish, wish to pray. I was thinking about this. I wish we had delayed the class even a little bit more so that we could have read this hadith so people could have prayed their dhuhr with this much anticipation. Why? Because the excuse for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is hidden around every corner. No matter how bad a person is screwed up, the, the excuse for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is hidden in every corner. In so many different forms, in so many different ways. It's just that you have to look for it. The loser is not the one who tries and fails. The loser is the one who doesn't try at all. And this is one thing I want you to remember also. The Anbiya alayhi salam are here for what? They're here to, uh, 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 they're here to uh, heal and, and repair the bond between Allah and His servant. And one of the things I don't like is what? Is that many, many uh, preachers, they uh, take the ibadah and the, the worship of Allah like a foregone conclusion. And they'll belittle the prayer, and they'll belittle uh, dhikr, and they'll belittle the recitation of the Qur'an. And they'll say, well, you know, what if you're praying and everything and whatever, but you're not a good person to other people, then your prayer is worthless. And the idea is this, is that although the, 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 that's true, that the prayer should guide you toward dealing well with other people, it doesn't mean that dealing well with other people is the objective of your life. What is the objective of your life? Allah Ta'ala says, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ I did not create that mankind and the jinn except for to worship me. Dealing well with other people is a branch of the worship of Allah Ta'ala. The ibadat are the highest branch of the worship of Allah Ta'ala. Why? Because you don't see any incentive for it in the dunya. It's a pure act of love. You can earn money and give to other people, that's also a worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a secondary sense. You understand how it works, so your own aql has some peace in that. However, when you pray for raka'ahs, or you pray nawafil, or you pray tahajjud, or you make the dhikr of Allah ta'ala, or you uh, wake up for tahajjud, or you uh, make the recitation of the Qur'an, it's not immediately intuitive to you, how is this somehow helping? It's just that you took it on trust from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no worldly reward for it. And all of these acts of worship have a place in the deen, but the highest branch is the one that is purely between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other ones are branches of worship that help you and aid you and assist you in this. And this has become an understanding that's been left behind the backs of people now. Nobody cares about the salat anymore. In fact, they openly belittle the salat now. Nobody cares about the dhikr of Allah ta'ala. They openly belittle the dhikr of Allah ta'ala. And you'll see there are people who will use the differences of opinions amongst the imams in order to run away from acts of worship like they run away from death. Khalas, Jum'ah, Eid is on a Friday, we're not going to pray Jum'ah. Why? Because Imam so-and-so said you don't have to pray it. What about the other three imams that say you do? Did any of them say it's un- invalid to pray Jum'ah on the day of Eid? None of them. Rasulullah used to pray Jum'ah on the day of Eid. At the most you can say it's not fard. So whoever doesn't want to come doesn't have to come. No. People make it a point to lock the masajid on the day of Eid. 
People make it a point. There's a difference of opinion. Do I have to wash my feet or can I just wipe over my socks? Khalas, it's a difference of opinion. Some people say it's valid. Some people say it's don't. Let the people wash their feet. There's khair in it. Didn't you hear the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that every time the water runs over the feet, the, the sins of the feet leave? Let the people do it. No, people insist. They're not happy until you cut that out as well. Every single thing. Hajj. Uh, fasting, every single thing, they will run away from an increase in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like people run away from death. This worship of Allah ta'ala is not worthless, it's not a waste of time. It's not something stupid that our illiterate forefathers used to do and now that we go around in airplanes and uh, uh, automobiles and have internet and smartphones, we don't need it anymore. That's what made them what they, what they were. It's what allowed them to over, you know, surmount even more overwhelming obstacles and odds against them. Was this connection they had with Allah, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know what it is, so we don't value it. But if you knew in every single salat you have the, the potentiality of being forgiven from your sins in the way that the day your mother bore you, then you would take that salat very seriously then you would in your practice transcend differences of opinion and go out of your way just to make sure the salat was well because you not only want that benefit, you realize we can't make it anywhere without that benefit. If we don't have the help of Allah Ta'ala, how are we going to do anything in this life or in the hereafter? And so anyone who, that's fine. I'm totally for like not being a jerk who like prays but then is like bad to other people. I agree you should be good with other people. Beware of somebody who belittles the, 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 the acts of worship between the slave and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sign of someone being a man of God is that when they speak about the acts of worship, it encourages you that this is something I want to do, and this is something that I'll make a bond with my Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through it. And the sign of somebody who's just selling you snake oil is that when you're done with it, the, the avama and the greatness of the worship of Allah Ta'ala, the ibadah of Allah Ta'ala, the salat and the dhikr and the tilawa and the tahajjud and the nawafil and sunan and hajj and umrah and all of these things that, that will fall down in your heart and you'll think of it as not something that's, that's as important. Rasulullah Sallallahu and his companions weren't like that. So we continue to the lesson number 14. Are there any questions? We continue lesson 14, uh, tools of the spiritual trade, trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Qala Allah ta'ala, وَلَمَّا رَأَى الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَحْزَابَ قَالُوا هَذَا مَا وَعْدَنَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَصَدَقَ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَمَا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا إِيمَانًا وَتَسْلِيمًا that when the believers saw the confederates, that all the tribes of the Arabs, the Bedouins and sedentary, uh, they gathered together against uh, the, pe- the believers in Medina Munawwara. Uh, 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 and they said, this is what Allah and His Messenger وسلم, promised us, that this word of La ilaha illallah will turn everyone into your enemy one day. Uh, uh, this is what Allah and His Messenger uh, promised us, and Allah and His Messenger have spoken the truth. And it didn't increase them except for in iman and in, in, in submission, in faith and in submission. Meaning what? Obviously Rasulullah wasallam told his companions that this da'wah of la ilaha illallah, the Arabs will oppose you because of it. And so when they saw that that happened, they didn't say, oh man, this is it. We're, you know, we're up the creek without a paddle. What are we going to do now? They said, no. If Rasulullah wasallam told the truth about this, that means the other things he told, uh, said were also true. That his promise of help and his promise of victory were also true. This realization doesn't come from any for anyone except for the one who trusts in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى الَّذِينَ قَالَ لَهُمُ النَّاسُ إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ جَمَعُوا لَكُمْ فَخْشَوْهُمْ فَزَادَهُمْ إِيمَانًا 
وقالوا حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل فانقلبوا بنعمة من الله وفضل لم يمسسهم سوء واتبعوا رضوان الله والله ذو فضل عظيم that Allah Most High said uh, uh, those people are the believers who when the people told, told them that everyone has gathered against you and so you should fear them so in the munafiqeen they, they, that's what they said they said to the believers, they say, look, all the Arabs have gathered to, against you in order to destroy you. So you should fear them. Instead of fearing them, them, them hearing this also from the munafiqeen increased them in faith inside of their heart. And they said, Allah is enough for us and He is the best disposer of our affairs. This hasbun Allahu wa ni'mal wakil, this dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is one of the treasures of Jannah. That a person should keep it with them and recite it by, by day and night. And when everybody, when your own aql, when your own mind and your own senses, they tell you that this is an insurmountable challenge in front of you. What do you say? You say, Allah is enough for me and he's the best disposer of my affairs. Even if it means I'm going to lose my life at this point. Allah is enough for me. And the choice He made for me is the best choice. He's the best disposer of my affairs. If I were to make a choice, it may have been wrong. His choice is never wrong. For me to die at this moment is better than for me to live. That's trust in Allah Ta'ala. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala loves the people who trust in Him. Imagine that. If a person shows up Yawm Al-Qiyamah, everyone is going to die. Everyone, all of us are going to die one day. You show up in front of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala and He sees you trusted Him. Is he the one who is going to uh, 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 leave you behind? Is he the one who is going to, uh, you're going to reach out your hand to uh, uh, take from him and he's just going to leave you hanging? That's stuff we do. We sell each other out. People trust us and we, uh, we sell them out. Allah Ta'ala is not like that. Allah Ta'ala doesn't do that. Whoever trusts in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala gives them better than whatever they could have done for themselves. This is an understanding of, uh, of the believers. And this is actually interesting because everybody's interested in making money. You want to make money? One of the greatest wasail, one of the greatest means of, of making money is trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why businessmen make more money than their employees do. The businessman every day is worried about how is everything going to happen? Our consumer is our consumers and customers going to come? Or are they not going to come? Is someone else going to open another business that's going to put us out, or or not? Is the price from my wholesaler going to be what it was yesterday, or is it going to double and triple in price without me having any control? There's a hundred million things that a, a businessman thinks of that could go wrong. Where is the consumer? Clock in, clock out, clock in, clock out. No worries. No worries because someone else is handling all of this for them. Why is a businessman superior? Because they have to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now the funny thing is that the same perils that endanger the business and the businessman are the same perils that endanger the paycheck of the employee. He just fools himself about it. And he lives in his ignorant bliss. But the reality is what? That the manager who's actually running the business or the owner who's actually running the business worrying about all of these things, he may be paralyzed by his fears if he doesn't have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because of his trust and the barakah of his trust, even a kafir has this trust that everything will be okay. Where is it going to be okay from? You're not the one who's making it okay. It's going to come okay from Allah ta'ala. That trust is a reason Allah ta'ala increases their risk. And it's very interesting that the, the, the sahaba radiallahu anhum, especially from Quraysh, what were they by profession? What was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa by trade and by profession? What was he? He was a businessman. He was a merchant. He used to buy and sell things from different places. 
There's a reason that business people were the ones who were that generation that carried Islam uh, to the four corners of the earth. Because they knew what needed to be done in order to make the whole system work. What are we nowadays? We're consumers. We come to the masjid like Walmart. We come to the masjid expecting low, low prices. We, it doesn't come to our head, how much did it cost to build this? How much did it cost to pay this person? If we want to have people of knowledge, we have to bring people of knowledge. How much does that cost? We want everything for free and we want service with a smile at the end of the day as well. And if we don't get it, we complain. And go, so let's talk to the manager and complain about things like as in Walmart. In the old days, the people used to honor their, their teachers and they used to love their teachers and they used to forgive their teachers their mistakes. Meaning what? The teachers make mistakes as well. They used to forgive the mistakes of their teachers. Nowadays, what do we do? We take a class and afterward we fill out uh, uh, instructor evaluations. I agree, okay, there's a reason for it. There's some benefit for receiving feedback and things like that. But the, the, the way we do it is horrible. If you don't have any love for the, your sheikh or whoever you're learning knowledge from, your ustad, your teacher, um, how much barakah is that, that knowledge going to have? Your ustad, your teacher, is like your father to you. Whoever, you know, like you did hafsab, you did hifs. I'm sure your hafsab probably, you know, every now and again may have called you something that wasn't nice or like may have lost his temper with you or may have whatever. Some people, a lot. What are you going to do? You're going to like hold it against you that you're going to Jannah because you're a hafiz and like you're, you're going to say, yeah, Allah, throw that guy into the hellfire. He taught me hifs, but like, you know, one time his chai was cold and he yelled at me or, you know, whatever. Maybe, his, <laughs> you know, maybe he, something else, he got into a car accident and he's a bad mood that week and he yelled at me. Send him into the hellfire. You're not going to do that. That would be horrible. That would be like, that, you, you're a horrible person if you would do something like that. So what do, we, what do we do? We come in as a consumer. We want the, the part of the service we receive to be good. And we don't want to think about what does that entail. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum were businessmen. They knew what it took. When the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa gathered an army to fight, each of them used to bring their own horse, each of them used to bring their own weapons, each of them used to train in their own time. Why? Because if each person knows how the army runs, they can decentralize the, the, the responsibility of gathering that army together. Whereas the Romans had to amass huge amounts of wealth and they used to have to hire people to train, and those people are on salary, and et cetera, et cetera. And those people weren't good soldiers. Why? Because they didn't know or care what they're fighting for. And once the money dries out, they're going to run. This is one of the reasons, actually, interestingly enough, that the Sahaba anhum completely mopped the floor and took names with the Romans and the Persians. You know why? Because in battle, the Romans and Persians, the, the battle lines used to chain them together so as to uh, prevent them from running. All you can do is advance together. If you don't advance together, you're going to make the line crooked and you're all going to get killed. So they're all chained together. So when the Sahaba, عنهم, who used to think outside of the box, Sayyidina Khalid bin Walid, he's like a, a strategic and tactical genius. They used to think outside of the box. When they would disrupt the battle lines, their entire armies would get decimated because they're all chained together. Why? Because they don't trust each other. They don't trust them. We've become just like that. We've become exactly like that. Right? That's why when the masjid needs some money, what do we do? How are we going to get the money together? Nobody thinks, I have to do my part, I have to do my share. The rich people do their share, the poor people do their share. Everyone, you know, come together and let's think about what it takes in order to build the masjid or in order to make a school or in order to make something happen and let's do it. No. What do we have to do? Book a nice hotel. Book a nice dinner. Put like weird, like nice doilies and like flowery stuff at every uh, table, book a, a, a speaker who's going to charge $10,000 honorarium, 
you think this is a, a joke? This is your favorite Islam evangelist that you love and like, you know, think is going to revive the deen in America. That's what, what they're charging. $10,000 $10, for a bayan. And then everybody, because their cult leader is like uh, going to attend that, 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 that thing, then say, okay, I'm going to come to this as well. And so they say, oh, subhanAllah, look how great our community is. We raised $300,000. It cost you $70,000 just to put the event on. And what happens is $300,000 event, sometimes that happens, sometimes $70,000 for like a $120,000 event. Now tell me something, is that smart or is it stupid? My mother, if she was here, she'd pull my ear, she said, don't say stupid in the, in the masjid, right? It's dumb, it's stupid, it's not a good thing. It's very unintelligent. But if we were people who took responsibility for the deen, like a businessman thinks of like how to make things efficient, then we would have done things differently. But we treat the deen like consumers. So someone has to package something and give it to you and until it makes you happy and feel good, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to make any sacrifices. I'm not going to make any sacrifices. Because that's how our, our community is turned into. It's a very sad state, in fact. Right? What is it? It's basically like, you know, it's, it's making the hotels and the, the whatever uh, 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 televangelists rich uh, in order for us to do so little. Whereas if we were simple people... Uh, we would have been able to do so much more with what we have. Remember this, the people of this deen will never out, out, outpace the people of the dunya in their dunya. That's all, that's, their, that's everything. They, they gave up Jannah for it. They take it really seriously. That's all they do by day and night. Are you going to beat them in dunya with dunya? Absolutely not. You're only going to beat them with the help of Allah Ta'ala. You're only going to beat them with the use of the deen. Otherwise, they will, they will outflank you at every corner if all you have at your disposal is the dunya because they're the ones, they don't pray five times a day. They're the ones who don't wake, care if they wake up in wudu or in, in janaba. They're the ones who you know, don't care if they're, what they're eating. Is it clean or is it dirty? All they, all they want is the dunya. All they want is the dunya. You're not going to be able to beat them at that game. The only, way, the only way the deen has the upper hand is if you play to your strengths. And if we're igno- completely ignorant of what our strengths are, then, uh, uh, or if we're, we're inefficient in the way that we do things. We have to be smarter. We have to work harder. We have to be excellent, better at what we do than, than they are at what they do. Uh, and that's what trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is that if you keep following the instructions of wahi again and again and again, Allah will make you better than, than, than other people are. Uh, you'll see that. There's, there's some kids, uh, you know, they, mashallah, will literally memorize like, memorize their uh, uh, homework lessons and things like that. So you don't see no Muslim kids winning the spelling bee. You don't see no Muslim kids like getting perfect scores and exams or whatever. But the idea is what? You follow the deen. When you go out into the real world, nobody can compete with you because you're a whole and complete human being. Uh, uh, and so the idea is this, is that you have to, you, you have to be like the Sahaba, عنهم, like businessmen, that you, you think as much as you can, and you put things together and try things the best way that you can, not worrying about whether other people are doing it or not. You have to put together things the best that, the, the best that you can, and then you trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the result. And if He wills, wills for you to be successful, he'll, he'll make you successful. And if He wills for you to fail in this world, you'll fail in this world. But the idea is what? In the akhirah, nobody who trusts in Allah ta'ala fails. If Allah Ta'ala loves the ones who trust in Him, just the fact that He, he loves you means even if your mustard project doesn't work, even if your school doesn't become successful, even if Latif doesn't become like the hottest new uh, organization on the scene or whatever, why did you want any of those things in the first place? Because it would have been a, a wasila, a means to receive Allah Ta'ala's love. 
And so if you got it anyway, what do you have to complain about? But if that's what you wanted, then you're going to be happy. If that's not, if you wanted something else, then go have whatever else you wanted. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتُ Allah Ta'ala says, trust in the, 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 the ever-living that never die, the ever-living one that never dies. وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And Allah Ta'ala said, uh, 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 let the people who believe uh, trust in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. Allah Most High said, وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَالْآيَاتُ فِي الْأَمْرِ بِالتَّوَكُّلِ كَثِيرَةٌ مَعْلُومًا Allah Ta'ala said, if you, if you set out to do something, then trust in Allah. What is azam? Azam is the strongest form of, of intention. It's the, the strength of intention that a person has right when they're about to do something. So if I were to take this bottle and I were to like throw it at you, right? Before it leaves my hand, my intention is strongest at that time. As if in my head it's already happened. Maybe, you know, someone out of nowhere, and like the bottle will fall down. But I had azam. If that didn't happen, I completely was going to throw this bottle at you, right? That azam, when you are going to do something, you say, let's do it. And you do it. At that point, don't waver in your intention. If you thought about it as best as you're supposed to think, and you planned as best as you could have planned, and you know this is the thing to do, at that point, shaitan will assault you and uh, uh, assail you with all sorts of doubts. And uh, at that point, you're not supposed to give in to those doubts. Rather, azamta, once you have that azam, then trust in Allah and carry through what you're going to do. Don't be paralyzed and double-minded when you do things. If you are truly doing it for Allah's sake, there's going to be some khair in it. Even though it's scary. It's scary sometimes. It's, it's scary sometimes. You may feel fear about certain things, about praying, about, you know, uh, whatever. Our brothers, mashallah, they're all thobed up and whatever. And uh, 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 looking real pious right now, pietitis, level of piety. But the sisters, mashallah, it's not like they take their hijabs off when they go out in, in, in public. For them, it's scary as well sometimes. If it's not a good idea to go out, don't go out. But once you've decided this is what I'm going to do, then trust in Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will help you. Allah Ta'ala will protect you. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى وَمَنْ يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ This is the promise of Allah Ta'ala that whoever uh, trusts in Allah Ta'ala, Allah is, will be enough for them. They won't come up short that they, they, they need anything else other than, uh, other than Him. أَيْ كَافِهِ Allah Ta'ala will suffice them. وَقَالَ تَعَالَى إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ الَّذِينَ إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا وَعَلَى رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ Allah Ta'ala says the believers are nobody except for those who when Allah Ta'ala is mentioned, it makes their hearts tremble. The divine name should have some effect on the heart. This is one of the benefits of dhikr. That the divine name should have some effect on the heart. It shouldn't move without, uh, uh, without moving the heart. وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا And when Allah Ta'ala's ayat are, are recited to them, it increases them in iman. And they're the ones who uh, trust in their Lord. ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل قالها إبراهيم عليه السلام حين ألقي في النار وقالها محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم حين قالوا إن الناس قد جمعوا لكم فخشوهم فزادهم إيمانا وقالوا حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل حديث البخاري 
Abdullah bin Abbas, may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with both of them, narrated that uh, saying, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for us and He's the best disposer of our affairs. It's what Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam said when he was thrown into the fire. What happened? The fire that Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam was thrown into, it wasn't just like a small, like a, a kind of like a European, uh, 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 you know, Protestants burning Catholics at the stake type of fire. That's what they used to do in Europe, right? They can say Islam is extremism. You want extremism? Look at your own forefathers. You guys had to abandon religion because your religion caused you to behave in such barbaric ways. That they used to tie people up at the stake and burn them alive for, for what? For, uh, uh, you know, not accepting the Pope as like God's, uh, whatever, vice, vice, vice regent in the earth. Those types of differences of opinion, we never, we never considered a person as a kafir because they didn't accept a political authority. And so, Sayyidina Ibrahim, the fire that he was thrown into, rather it was a ditch that was dug. And then around the ditch were walls that are, uh, uh, that are higher than, uh, higher than uh, 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 several men stacked up on, or like, you know, one after the other after the other. And that pit which was surrounded by a wall they, uh, uh, the priests of the, the, the pagan religion uh, of the people of Ibrahim salam, said that your gods will bless anybody who throws a piece of firewood into the, or a piece of fuel into this pit. So take a piece of fuel, pray to the gods, and then throw the, the piece in, and they'll accept your prayers. So it took years for them to fill that pit up. The entire qawm participated in it. The day he was to be burned, they set the fire. It took days for it to start blazing. It became so hot that they couldn't approach that, those walls uh, from any side because it was so hot. If you've been to a bonfire before, the bonfire burns so hot, you can't come near and touch it because it's burning so hot. Your body involuntarily won't let you come near into it. If you want to, you have to run and jump into it. Otherwise, you can't walk right up to it. So they became so close, they, didn't, they couldn't even put a ladder and throw Ibrahim over comes in the tafsir of the Qur'an that the shaitan came to the qawm of Ibrahim in the form of a man and showed them the plans. This is how you're going to make a manjaniq, how you're going to make a, a, a catapult to throw him in. And so they, they said, thanks, stranger. And they built the catapult and they, 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 they uh, what you call, calibrated it with stones. And then they put him in. And it was like a Eid for their entire qawm. All of them came to witness it. And so Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, he's put into the catapult and uh, 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 the catapult is uh, let loose. And when it's let loose, Sayyidina Jibreel comes to him and says to him, I'm a messenger from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the first time Sayyidina Ibrahim sees Sayyidina Jibreel salam. He says, I'm messenger from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is there anything I can do uh, uh, for your service? Now if it was one of us, I'd be like, yeah, awesome. I'm a pretty pious dude. Sayyidina Jibreel here to bail me out, right? But that was a different hal that Sayyidina Ibrahim was in. That he says that I have nothing, no need for any of the creation. If I was going to ask anyone, I would, a creation, a created thing, I would have asked them. I didn't ask them, why am I going to ask you? And then when he comes to the fire, the fire itself speaks to Ibrahim and says, Should I, shall I be cool for you? He says, I have no need from any of the creation. I have no need from anyone except for my Lord right now. And what did he say? His only dua was Hasbunallahu and Ni'mal Wakil, that Allah is sufficient for me and He's the best disposer of my affairs. And so he said, he said, that he said to the fire, be cool and be salam, be, be uh, 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 wholeness for Ibrahim. 
And the Mufassirin say that the, the fire, if Allah Ta'ala had said only to it be cool, it would have frozen him to death. But Allah instructed, be cool in a way that doesn't harm him. And so Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, that fire burned for 40 days and 40 nights. It smoldered and he, he came and Allah Ta'ala gave him supernatural risk and pre- provision and sustenance inside of that fire for those 40 days and 40 nights. And he led the angels uh, in, 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 in an ecstatic prayer for that, those days and for the rest of the days of his life. He said, I remember my time in the fire. Those were the best days of my life. So what is this hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil? It's a treasure, the person who can plunge into its depths and take from it. There's a lot of khair from it. Uh, so Ibrahim, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhu, he says what? He says that uh, uh, this is what Ibrahim salam said when he was thrown into the fire. And this is what Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said when the munafiqeen said when they saw the gathering of the Arabs to uh, uh, siege and destroy Medina, uh, arrive at its doorsteps. Uh, 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 the people said, look how all of the people have come to destroy you. So you should fear them. But that saying of those hypocrites didn't increase them in anything except for in faith. And they said, Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is sufficient for us and He's the best disposer of our affairs. Now tell me, were the Ahzab able to breach the, the Khandaq, the ditch, and destroy Medina like they wanted to? Absolutely not. In fact, they fought with one another before they left. And after that, nobody, nobody tried to touch Medina again from, from, from the mushrikeen. Why? Because they knew that it was protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Medina is a Mubarak place, don't ever forget that. مَا بَيْنَ لَا بَتَيْهَا حَرَمٌ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was coming from, from his hijra, uh, uh, it's only open in the north side. There are two rocky uh, lava rock tracts that flank it on the east and in the west, and there's mountains in the south. So when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was coming uh, down the stretch, the small opening, that's where the khandaq was built, the ditch was built. When he was coming down that opening, he said, he made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that indeed Ibrahim made or invoked your, your prayers in order to make uh, what's uh, Mecca Mukarramah into a haram, into a sacred land. And he says, I invoke you and I pray, pray to you that you make this land a sacred land, just like Ibrahim salam made it sacred uh, or even more. And I ask you to put barakah in its mudan and its sa'ah, that every measure that, that the people buy and sell from, because they're businessmen, that you put barakah in every measure of, 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 of its sale, whether it's a mud, which is the two mubarak cupped hands of the Prophet ﷺ, or the sa'ah, which is for, for amdad, that you put barakah in it. Now there's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama, which city is more sacred, Makkah, Mukarramah, or Medina, Munawwara. So in the favor of the opinion of Malik and the elders of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, including Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhumah, what, what's in their favor? What's in their favor is that if the Prophet sallallahu dua is accepted, it's accepted, then according to this dua, it should be at least equal, it's awla, that it should be accepted greater than the acceptance of the dua of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam. So this Medina Munawwara is a sacred and, and inviolable place. And they invoked Allah, and what made it sacred is what? It's not just for free bonus like that they got it, that like, oh, those guys got it and we didn't. It was their sacrifices, it was their prayers that made it, made it sacred. Allah Ta'ala accepted their, their sacrifices and accepted their prayers in that place uh, because of their sacrifice. And it's not that the sacrifices made it, but their sacrifices were greater than ours. The slave who comes a hand's breadth, they get the cubit, and the slave that comes a cubit gets the arm's length. It all comes from Allah Ta'ala, but still they wanted it more. So Allah Ta'ala gave it, Allah Ta'ala gave it to them. 
uh, Allah Ta'ala gave it to them and, and it was uh, unbreachable. The Arabs didn't even try it afterward. They never tried again. Uh, because they knew that this is the same thing that protects Makkah Mukarramah is protecting this place. This is a waste of your time. You just need to move along. So this Hasbunallahu Ni'mal Wakil, inshallah, Allah Ta'ala loves the people who trust Him. Use it as a, uh, use it as a, a, a protection and a benefit for you. The reward for, for, for Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala's love and His trust, is it in this world or is it in the hereafter? Its prime manifestation is where it's in the hereafter. So don't be like the person who lost his, uh, you know, lost his keys on the other side of the street, but is over here looking under the street light. You'll only find it on the other side. If you find some part of it over here, that's great as well. But the reward for these things is in the hereafter. But the, the, the thing that a person should remember is that's an appointment nobody's able to miss. Nobody's going to be able to miss. All of us are going to be there for it. So we're almost done. We have two more lessons. These are very important lessons though. All of them because it has to do with what Allah and His Rasul said. All of them are important, but these are extremely important lessons. These are things that are, I, I find are missing from, from our discussion with regards to Islam uh, in this land and in this time that we're in. And you'll get immense benefit from them, inshallah. One say that Sayyidatina Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha qaad qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Man ahabba liqa Allahi ahabba Allahu liqa'ahu wa man kariha liqa Allahi. كَرِهَ اللَّهُ لِقَاءَهُ فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ أَكَرَاهِيَةُ الْمَوْتِ فَكُلُّنَا نَكَرَهُ الْمَوْتَ قَالَ لَيْسَ كَذَلِكَ وَلَكِنَّ الْمُؤْمِنَ إِذَا بُشِّرَ بِرَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ وَرِضْوَانِهِ وَجَنَّتِهِ أَحَبَّ لِقَاءَ اللَّهِ فَأَحَبَّ اللَّهُ لِقَاءَهُ وَإِنْ إِنَّ الْكَافِرَ إِذَا بُشِّرَ بِعَذَابِ اللَّهِ وَسَخَطِهِ كَرِهَ لِقَاءَ اللَّهِ وَكَرِهَ اللَّهُ لِقَاءَهُ رواه مسلم Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, whoever loves to meet Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala loves to meet him. And whoever hates to meet Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala hates to meet him. I said, yani Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha, uh, Umm al-Mu'minina, the mother of the believers, she said, I said, O Messenger of Allah, uh, are you talking about the hatred of death? Because everyone hates to die. Uh, every one of us hates to die. Meaning what? You know, being a being a, a, a believer who is a, a, of high station and of sound disposition doesn't mean you turn into like some sort of like weird maniac, like ah, I don't care if I die, like ah. No, those are the people who actually their lives were the most f- meaningful and, and fulfilled. They're the ones who loved life more than anybody else. It says, "You mean that we should like love to die? Because nobody likes to die. None of us like to die." He says, "He says, uh, he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's not what I mean." Rather, what I mean is that the believer, when he is given the glad tidings of the mercy of Allah and of his pleasure and of his Jannah, it makes them want, like, look forward to it. Say, I would love to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and I would love to uh, tell him how much I love him and how much I, you know, I wish his, for his mercy and how much I, I wish to please him in the life of this world. And I would love for him to tell me how much he loves me and how much of his mercy he will give to me because I loved him and how much of his pleasure that he has with me because I sought his pleasure. This is something everybody should look forward to. Imagine that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of the, the ni'mah and all of the blessings of Allah ta'ala, uh, 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 an honor that He uh, set forth for the ummah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Everybody should love that and look forward to it. Love it more than they love cars and houses and money and jobs and degrees and all of these things. Uh, and the kafir, when he is, uh, when he's given the tidings of the torment and the anger of Allah ta'ala, that kafir will hate to love uh, to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah ta'ala hates to meet him. 
And this is something very interesting as well, that non-Muslims, they feel offended that you think they're going to go to hell, like atheists. And you're like, yo, dude, like if someone told you like the Easter Bunny is going to eat you, would you be offended? No, because the Easter Bunny doesn't exist. It doesn't mean anything. It's stupid. But the fact that you're actually offended that I believe you're going to go to hell means that you're not as much of an atheist as you lead yourself to believe. The fact that it bothers you. It means that it's not the problem is not necessarily that you don't think there's a God as vociferously as you claim you don't think there's a God. Rather, something else is going on. That you just don't want to conform to His commandments and you think you're special and you don't need to obey. And uh, when you're reminded of the, 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 the bad end that that path will take, it makes you upset and angry. This hadith, I, we, I read this packet in Bogota. I don't know if I told you the story. I read this packet in Bogota, in Colombia, and uh, uh, when we got to this hadith, an earthquake started. And so I'm like, okay, we should like leave the building now. It was like we were on the ground floor of a high-rise building. So they're like, no shake, no shake. We love to meet Allah. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's, that's wonderful, but we need to leave now. That's not the meaning of the hadith. <laughs> they're like, no shake, we we're not going anywhere. We want to hear the next hadith. And so I said, uh, uh, okay, um, why don't we all just say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, and uh, if this is it, this is it, uh, 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 you know. And so they all took the shahada. There was one Colombian woman who just came to learn about Islam. She actually took the shahada at that time. Yeah. So, mashallah, there are a lot of good people in the world. Many of them are not us. <laughs> I was astonished though, mashallah. They were like, they were like pumped. They heard the hadith and that's it. That like overwhelmed them. Otherwise, nobody, nobody, nobody likes to die. Uh, so hadith of Tirmidhi, right? The first one is about the love of meeting Allah Ta'ala. Here we read from, from, from Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu that he said, he said that this is, this is a story of Anas bin Malik when he was seven years old. His mother brought him for the service of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. She said that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam came to Medina, Umm Sulaim her name is, Umm Sulaim. So when Umm Sulaim came to Medina Munawwara, or when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina Munawwara, Umm Sulaim said what? She said, she said that everyone came and brought a gift to the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, and I had no money to give him a gift with. So I brought my son. She only had one son. She was from the noble women of the Ansar, and she was a very beautiful woman. Every man of the Ansar wished to marry her. Uh, but she had no money at all. And uh, in fact, the richest man of Medina actually proposed marriage to her. His name is Abu Talha. And because he wasn't a Muslim, he was a mushrik, she said, no, I'll never marry you. So he came despondent to the Messenger of Allah wasallam, and said what? said that he thought, this guy's an important guy, she respects him, maybe I can like, get some insight from him or like, whatever, figure it out. You know, don't give up so quick, inshallah. Uh, so he, 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 you know, he's an he's a intelligent individual. So what happened? He said, he, he, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, why won't she marry me? And he explained to him about Islam, about how she doesn't want to live with the mushrik. He says, this Islam thing is alright. Uh, 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 he said, what should I do? He said, why don't you become a Muslim? He said, okay. He became Muslim. He said, la ilaha illallah. 
Now, lest a person be judgmental, oh, he just married in order to, like, uh, you know, get married, or he just got converted in order to get married, which is things that people say nowadays to each other. Okay, what, you became Muslim because you, because of conviction or whatever? You're like five years old and you decided that this makes more sense than Buddhism? I, I mean, come on, right? Allah Ta'ala brings everyone into the deen, like, out of his mercy and out of his fadl. No one has a right to judge another person. If, there are per, per, if someone converted just to get married, there are people converted to just to get married that are better than you and I. And the ayah, لَن تَنَعْلُوا الْبِرَّ حَتَّى تُنْفِقُوا مِمَّا تُحِبُّونَ The Mufassirin say it was, it, was, it was revealed and the first person to, to act upon it was this uh, Abu Talha. That you won't, ex, you won't attain piety until you spend from that which you love. Abu Talha, when he heard this, hadith, heard this ayah, he came straight to the Messenger of Allah before anyone else. He was a wealthy man. And he said that, Ya Rasulullah, Allah Ta'ala said that you won't attain piety until you spend from that which you love. And my most beloved property is such and such well, which is right across, it was right across from the Masjid of the Prophet And the well had sweet water. Uh, all the wells, the water is not the same in all of them. Had sweet water, and Rasulullah used to love that the, to go and visit him at that well and uh, at that well and drink the water and the garden, the orchard that was watered by that well. So Rasulullah says, he says, "Bakhin, bakhin, rabihun, malun rabihun." He said, "Wah, wah." He said, "That's that's a, 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 a profitable transaction. That's a profitable transaction." And he says that my, my, my opinion is that you should give it in the path of Allah Ta'ala to your relatives, the poor ones amongst your relatives. And you should fix from its produce that they should all receive a share. And uh, 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 that way you can give in the path of Allah and also uh, uh, honor your kinship bonds. Which is also the beauty of the Prophet ﷺ. He could have easily said, thank you, we'll give you a receipt on the way out. What? It's going through the masjid, right? But he wasn't like that, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was very careful to avoid even the possibility that a person could see some sort of conflict of interest in what he did, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he said, "Give it to your poor relatives; let them benefit from it." And so, anyway, this this Abu Talha, uh, uh, so Sayyidina Um Sayyidina Um Sulaim, uh, he wanted to marry her. She was so broke, but she still said no to the marriage proposal at the time because she's not going to marry Mushrik. So she said, I had nothing to give to the Messenger of Allah Nowadays we, I, receive, you know, I hear this all the time, oh Muslim women, they're professionals, they have a hard time finding a Muslim man who is uh, of the same rank as them, or who is as accomplished as them, or is a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. I mean, I guess if that's uh, to you a, a, a reason to uh, violate or contravene the Sharia, at any rate, the, the, the uh, example we have is of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Say the Um Sulaim, despite being so uh, poor, she still said no to the richest man in, in, in Medina Munawwara, and Allah Ta'ala gave him to her anyway, because of her tawakkul, her trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So at any rate, Um Sulaim gives, gives Anas bin Malik, so he shows up, he's seven years old, first day to help out around the house in the Prophet Sallallahu house, and so uh, he narrates what, you know, how, how, what that experience was like. That he served for seven years until he was 14. He served inside the house of the Prophet ﷺ, helping with guests and helping, you know, fetch things, run messages back and forth, things like that. He said, the Messenger of Allah ﷺ never get angry with me, he never yelled at me, he never cursed me, he never hit me. And uh, uh, in another hadith, he never hit anybody ﷺ. 
except for in battle. And in battle, he only killed one person, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with his Mubarak hand. Uh, but uh, Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He's, this is a part of the advices he was given. It's not the whole thing, but it's a shorter, uh, uh, truncated narration. And we should, in which he said, Oh, oh my dear son, uh, if you were able to wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night, and there is no rancor in your heart for any, anyone, then do so. And this includes everyone. This includes a, a Muslim and Kafir. Say, so how do I have no rancor in my heart for Hitler or someone like that, Stalin? Say what? At least you should hope that Allah Ta'ala take them away before they can plunge themselves deeper into the hellfire. He said, if you're able to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and you don't have rancor for anybody, then do so. Then he said to me, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Oh my dear son, uh, know that's from my sunnah and whoever revised my sunnah, that person has loved me. And whoever loves me is with me in Jannah. There's another orthography of this hadith is transmitted in the Mishkatul Masabih. That, oh my dear son, and know that that's from my sunnah, and whoever loves my sunnah has loved me, and whoever loved me is with me in Jannah. Notice this doesn't involve any action whatsoever, it's completely inside of the heart. The first, the first hadith is about loving the, the liqa, the meeting of Allah Ta'ala. The second hadith is about the love of the Prophet sunnah, and the love of the Prophet What is the primary manifestation of the love of the Prophet to bring his sunnah to life and to love his sunnah over your own. People have abandoned the love of the sunnah now. You tell them some, such and such thing is a sunnah and they say, oh, it's not practical. It's a sunnah to pray Eid outside, we can, it's not practical. It's a, the Prophet ﷺ dressed like that, we can't dress like that. The Prophet ﷺ used to eat like this, oh, you can't eat like this, it's impractical. The Prophet ﷺ used to pray this many rakahs before dhuhr and this many after, oh, I can't do that, I don't have time. Look, the idea is this, even if you never do any of those things. What is love? Love is it's, it's a, it's a feeling that you have inside of your heart that this is something that you, that, that's more beloved to you than yourself. It's hard to explain, right? Because I use the word beloved in explaining what love is, right? It's hard to explain. It's something that's more valuable to you than your, your own self is. Rasulullah sunnah is more valuable to you than other things in the world. And so if you love the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, you say, that's amazing, that's wonderful. You don't make excuses. If in Romeo and Juliet, uh, uh, if in Romeo and Juliet, you know, uh, instead of going in the middle of the night to serenade Juliet at the balcony, Romeo was like, oh man, that's a, that's a really rough part of the hood, uh, which it was, you know, they didn't like him, they didn't like, you know, the Capulets and Montagues didn't used to get along. I don't know if you read the read the play, but um, yeah, it's 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 a rough part of the hood, and it's late at night, and uh, you know I have uh, class in the morning, and uh, you know it wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been a story that touches you. Why? Because they would have been schlobs just like you and me. It wouldn't have inspired us for anything. What is it that disp- that love is something that transcends all of these all of these different things that like elevate people to a a kefia and a hal inside of their hearts that that the entire world can be uh, against it but it can't touch it can't touch that kefia that 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 feeling inside of the heart and so this is one of the reasons this is one of the reasons that the Muslims traditionally they loved everything about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam 
the Medina of the Prophet ﷺ, they loved for his sake. The Ahlul Bayt, they loved for his sake. The ulama, they loved for his sake. They forgave one another for his sake. They, they loved the Ummah of the Prophet ﷺ for his sake. They loved the prayer for his sake. They loved fasting. They loved, just the love of these things, even if you don't do it yourself, just the love of these things is enough to save a person on the Day of Judgment and be an excuse for being forgiven for all of these things. The thing that scares me is I see now people who pray, but they don't love the prayer. I see people who fast, but they don't love the fast. They ask questions like, oh, Shaykh, you know, I have an exam tomorrow. Can I just bail out? Who cares? You know, the people in the past used to be more concerned that Allah Ta'ala doesn't accept their fast than they were concerned about passing the test. For like whatever, sociology or whatever, elective past class or whatever. The fact of the matter is, you can do both. It's not impossible. It's actually very doable. The thing that makes me afraid is that love is gone from the people's hearts. That love is more important than the deed itself. This is not, you know, goofy Sufi teaching. This is the aqidah, the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The love of the deed is more important and receives more reward with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than doing the deed itself. If you don't do the deed, you're a sinner. If you don't love the deed, you might be a kafir. It's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that the intention of a believer to which he doesn't act is more خَيْرٌ وَأَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ It's better and it's more uh, 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 beloved to Allah Ta'ala than the deed itself. The deed is like the ship, right? And the, the, the intention is like the, the cargo or the passenger inside the ship. It's more valuable, it's more important. It's the reason the ship exists in the first place. So the person who loves the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ has loved him. And the person who loved him loves him. What is the jaza of that? What is the reward for loving him ﷺ? That you're with him in Jannah. What's the reward of loving to meet Allah Ta'ala? That Allah Ta'ala would treat you with the honor that somebody would have treated you had they loved to see you. Which is what? Al-Jannah. This is important. This is missing in a lot of, in a lot of people. This is missing in the deen. Once you have love, then you no longer ask, well, do I have to this? Do I have to that? Is it just makru or is it actually haram? Is it just sunnah or what? People stop asking those questions and they start doing things. They look at things differently. They look at things from a more real uh, 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 lens. This is something that from, from our mashaykh that we, 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 we heard. I heard from my shaykh, rahimahullah ta'ala. He says that the person who is prompt and punctual in his acts of worship and his dhikr and in his tahajjud and all of all of the recitation of the Quran and his prayers, etc. Uh, that person has a high maqam with Allah Ta'ala. And the person of service who serves those people. So for example, there's the people who what? The people who put the, 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 uh, the you know, whatever, the class together. They receive the individual reward of all of the attendees all gathered together. So those people, they're, they're, like, a, uh, they're like, like a thief, like rob the bank. You get all the ajr for yourself. Without obviously uh, decreasing from the ajr of the people who attended one bit. But the people who have love inside of their hearts, they leave everybody in the dust. They leave both of those groups behind. It's like they flew in the sky. They went into, went into outer space. They, they even left this galaxy in their, in their maqam. Why? It's the heart that, that matters. That's the, the, the heart is what Allah Ta'ala will judge. That's the only thing. The Yawm Al-Qiyamah is the Yawm Al-Ayanfa'u Malun Wala Banuna Illa Man Atallaha Biqalbin Salim. The Day of Judgment. The only thing you have to present to Allah Ta'ala is your heart. The effects of all your deeds are there, wrapped up inside of it. Your deeds only have, a, and that's the next chapter, your deeds only have weight because of what's inside of your heart. Otherwise, all the deeds in the world could be like the froth on the top of the ocean. They mean nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they're innumerable in number. 
the idea is what? The idea is that that heart, the more love a person has, there may be someone who's making hajj right now. And then another person, miskin, like villager sitting somewhere who loves the house of Allah Ta'ala and who loves Medina Munawwara. And because of their love, they're receiving more reward for, than the hajj of the haji. Obviously, the person who's, and it's a commandment of the deen, if they're able to afford to go, they have to go. But maybe someone can't even afford to go, but because of their heart, they're over there. They're, they're with everybody. Uh, uh, um, and this is a, a, a hadith that's uh, 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 this is a hadith that, that I didn't include in this chapter just for brevity. But it's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam that a Bedouin walked into the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. The Bedouins are different people. They're, they the the rough and toughness of living in the desert meant that they didn't know the etiquettes of city people. Uh, they were very rough people and very uncouth people, and uh, uh, but they're also very real, you know. So the desert is like literally, it's like the law of the jungle. You know, it's a matter of survival for living out in the desert. Uh, and so uh, this Bedouin walks into Medina Munawwara and he sees the amount of order that's there. And he sees, in fact, the amount of love that the Sahaba anhum have for one another and how they're treating each other with so much respect and so much dignity and how this is like unreal. He's never seen anything like this before anywhere. And then with great respect, he comes to the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and he says, he asks him a question. He says, He says, Ya Rasul, he says to the Prophet what do you say about a man who loves a people but wasn't able to be like them in his past and still isn't able to be like them? Like he says, this is amazing. Like this Medina you have, this is amazing. I was never like this before and I'm not even like this. I can't even be this good right now. It's like overwhelming to see how wonderful this is. So what do you say about a man who, 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 who loves a people but wasn't able to be like them and still isn't able to be like them? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-mar'u ma'aman ahabba, that a, a man will be with the one that he loves. That's like a big deal. That's a really big deal. That, that a person, even throughout, throughout their inability to cope with, put together the pieces of the puzzle in their life, and in order to live the, the life that they know that they should be living. One thing is you're slacking off and being lazy, then get to work. One thing is you're trying your best and it's still not coming together. What the importance of love is, which is why it leaves a person, why it leaves all the other people in the dust and it flies into the, into the heavens, is what? Is because in that moment of sincere love for, for piety and righteousness, for the pious and for the righteous, for the Anbiya alayhi salam, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the ulama radiallahu ta'ala anhum, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in that moment of sincere love, you jump, you like make a quantum leap and you jump into a maqam that wasn't yours through, through earning otherwise. It doesn't mean you become one of them. But it means that wherever, whatever happens with them, you'll go with them. You'll have like a license to tag along. But the idea is that love is sincere. It's not something you can say, oh, I love. And then afterward, like you just go back to, uh, uh, you know, being a slob afterward. If you love, the love has certain adab and certain etiquettes. And the adab and etiquettes of loving someone is that you put their happiness and you value it more than you value your own you, you love their way more than you love your own. You put that person above yourself. Once you do that though, uh, uh, it's, it, and the thing is, the beautiful thing is, how can a person not love Allah Ta'ala? How can a person not love the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Allah Ta'ala created the heavens and the earth from nothing. No one can compel him to do anything. And he still, he still wrote up above his arsh, above his throne, that my mercy out, outstrips my wrath. That he still gave so much mercy and so much chance for, for all of the creation to receive his mercy. How can you not love that Allah Ta'ala? 
And that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa who is a mercy to mankind, how can you not love that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa Those ulama, those, those, those salihun that, that give from themselves in order that, that others can be happy. How can you not love them? Allah made it easy. It's not a difficult thing to love them. The only thing that interferes in the way is that the nafs, the desires of the nafs, if they get the upper hand over you, then they'll drag you into a place you didn't want to be in the first place. Otherwise, the love of Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa is not difficult. Just don't interfere with it. Don't do stuff in your own life to mess it up. Don't interfere with it. It's the natural state. It's what the hearts were made for. Even a kafir, when they see the... I, I know this. My, I have a, a friend I went to university with. Uh, he saw a picture of the, 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 the Kaaba and the Masjid al-Haram from afar. And all the people are around the Kaaba in re- rows and it's nighttime and the lights are coming down on it. He said, that's amazing, man. I wish I could believe in that stuff. I said, you can. He's like, no, man, I can't. What is that? The heart was made to love Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa It wasn't made for anything else. If you have tawfiq to say la ilaha illallah or not, that's between you and Allah Ta'ala. Everyone should make dua that Allah Ta'ala give them the tawfiq of, 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 of saying the shahada again and again and dying on it. It's a gift He gives to the ones that He loves. But to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a natural state of everyone's heart. Even the kafir in the midst of his kufr. They say that uh, Abu, uh, Abu Jahl and, uh, Abu Jahl and uh, 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 Al-Walid ibn Mughira, the worst of the mustahzi'een, the people who used to mock the Prophet ﷺ from the mushrikeen of Quraysh, they used to sneak at night and try to overhear the words of the Qur'an. They used to enjoy it. There was a sweetness in it. One time they caught each other uh, uh, listening in on the way home. And like, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. What are you doing? You know, like that type of thing. Why? Because the, the, the heart was made for that. If you have tawfiq or not, it's easy to, to, to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just don't get in the way, don't mess it up. Otherwise, that's what the heart was made for. There's no reason for a person to do anything but love them, so, uh, uh, Allah and His Rasul sallallahu and love all of the good things that Allah ta'ala made in this world. And that in and of itself, you'll be surprised to see how much of a uh, how much of a uh, uh, how much of a vehicle it is for a person's salvation on the day of judgment? When you think that all the other hard work and things that people did uh, are the real big show, the real big show is the love inside of the hearts. If there was love, then we wouldn't need to do big things. Small things would have had enough barakah; they would have taken us much further. And if we had love, the small things that we do would have become big things. And if we had love, the big things that we did would have worked. Whereas the big things we do now, we spend billions and millions of dollars and every country in the Muslim world has so much wealth and we have a billion people and all of this and it's still useless in, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because what that one thing is missing, that's the thing that made the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, what they had useful and it, what makes what we have, you know, needs a little bit of work still, inshallah. We won't be pessim- completely pessimistic, it needs work, inshallah it can get there as well. It's not It's not difficult for Allah Taala to make it, to, to, to make it something of value as well for us. When Anas radiAllahu Taala anhu an al-Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam qala thalathun man kunna fihi wajad bihinna halawat al-imani an yakun Allahu wa Rasuluhu sallallahu alaihi wasallam ahab ilayhi min masiwahuma wa an yuhib al-mar'a la wa an yuhib wa an yuhib al-mar'a la yuhibhu illa lillahi wa an yakraha أن يعود في الكفر بعد أن أنقذه الله منه كما يكره أن يقذف في النار متفق عليه. So hadith both of Bukhari and Muslim narrated by Sayyidina Anas bin Malik رضي الله عنه that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said there are three things, there are three traits if they're in somebody that person will taste the sweetness of iman. Meaning that the, the iman will be something that they will love and they will enjoy inside of their heart rather than a chore or a task for them. And so what are those three things? 
they are that uh, Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam should be more beloved to that person than anything other than them. The idea that neighbors will be upset, the idea that people at school or work will be upset, the idea that relatives will be annoyed, the idea that whatever, those things are, are you know, they can still have a place with you, but they have no place when compared to whether Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa are angry about something or not. You don't want to, at any cost, you don't want to upset Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa and you want them to be happy that the Day of Judgment, when you show up, you're not one of the beggars who comes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and says, Oh, Ya Rasulullah, your shafa'ah, I know I blew it in this life, but you're the mercy of the world. No, rather, you want to be able to show up and the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa says, Yes, this is the one who defended my sunnah. This is the one who defended the people of my ummah. This is the one who did things, khidmah for the people of my ummah. This is the one who loved the deen and who loved my sunnah, and because of that, I love him. You don't want to be one of the losers that shows a face embarrassed on the Day of Judgment. You want to be someone that they recognize because of the good that you did. And there's khair in everybody, inshallah. So the first, the first trait that a person has to have in order to taste the sweetness of faith is that Allah and His Rasul wasallam are more beloved to them than other than them. And the second is that a, a person should love another person uh, for no reason except for, for the sake of Allah. So this is also a good sign, mashallah, you show up in this, in this meeting. Maybe some of you don't see each other during the week. Your, uh, your friendship that you have from just being in the same class together for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, this is, a greater, this is a greater friendship than the friendships that you have with other people for the sake of enjoyment or for other reasons. For the sake of kinship or because your colleagues at work or your colleagues at school or because your neighbors or whatever. Those things can also be for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. But if they're not, then they perish in this world. And the thing that's for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, even if it's very ephemeral, very temporary, these are the friends, you'll bear witness in each other's favor on the Day of Judgment. You'll be sweating it on the Day of Judgment. Jawad will show up and be like, yeah, I saw this person at the, at the class, uh, 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 and he was, or she was learning and whatever, all of this stuff. Right? The mother and daughter show up to class, mashallah. Their other mothers and daughters are yelling and screaming at each other right now. And you guys, mashallah, you guys have the, the tawfiq of coming for the sake of Allah. Yawm al-qiyamah, you'll show up and you'll, you'll, you'll say, this is my daughter, she came with me to, to hear the kalam of the Rasul sallallahu This is my mother, she came with me to hear the kalam of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi That lasts forever, it lasts in Jannah forever. This is a, a sign that, when you, uh, that, that you have a, that people in your life that you don't love them for any reason except for, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Rather than, you know, this is the, the friendship of the people of the dunya, it's disgusting. I'm sorry, maybe I should be more like politically correct and stuff. It's really, I, I, I find it abhorrent, right? That they'll, be like, they'll invite each other out, say, oh, why don't you come to my birthday party? Okay, cool, you go to the birthday party at a restaurant, and then they all go and split the check afterward. So you're basically like eating alone, but like in the same physical proximity. What kind of friendship is that? That's the friendship of the people that will cuss each other out in the hellfire. That's the friendship of the people that will cuss each other out in front of the hellfire and sell each other out and snitch on each other also on the Day of Judgment. And say, this person, because of him I did this, bring him into the fire with me as well. Give him double the punishment because of that. It doesn't behoove a believer to have... Obviously, it's not... Some of you are saying, oh, Sheikh, what are you saying? Everyone who splits a check is going to the hell? No. It doesn't behoove a believer to, to, to treat each other like the people of Jahannam treat each other. You understand what I'm saying? The adab, adab is not like halal haram, it's just adab, it makes things nice. Right? The adab is the people you love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just like yawm al-qiyamah, you expect to benefit each other. In this world you should also be eager and avid to benefit each other, it's a sign of what's to come. 
uh, and the third, the third thing is what? That's just my own uh, Hamza pet peeve. This this age that we live in is like a a, a, a graveyard for hospitality, and we can only uh, we can only uh, it's a graveyard for for love. Uh, we can only complain to Allah Taala for it, and hope that inshallah, just uh, the few people keep it alive, the barakah of it spreads to others. And the last thing is that a person should hate too. Uh, 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 lapse into kufr, into disbelief after Allah saved him from it, just like a person would hate to be burned alive, to be thrown into a fire, and to hate to be burned alive. That same visceral disgust with the the, the state of of having left iman uh, that that should also a person should have fear from it. A person should hate it. You should make plans to avoid it. For you, plans to avoid it for your children. I tell people this is one of the great benefits of having your kid, like you know, memorize the Quran. Is what is that? Hopefully, then at least they'll die on iman. Statistically, it's probably a far less likelihood that a kid who made hifz of the Quran will lapse out of the deen. Unfortunately, we've seen it happen. It does happen, but it's much rarer than 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 that of the regular people. Getting through this life with your your iman is itself a paramount objective of, of, of life. And it itself is an act of worship that we mentioned from before. That the fact that people used to fear, that's a reason Allah Ta'ala will accept from them and forgive them their sins. Allah Ta'ala make us amongst those who have husn al-khatimah, who have a good end. When Sayyidina Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, qala qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, إن الله تعالى يقول يوم القيامة أين المتحابون في بجلالي اليوم أظلهم في ظلي يوم لا ظل إلا ظلي رواه مسلم. It's a beautiful hadith. Uh, the Prophet said that Allah Most High will say on the day of judgment, "Where are those people who loved each other for my sake? Uh, this day I shade them in my shade uh, on such a day that there's no shade except for my shade." So this is, you know, when the people from whatever Islamic relief or from whatever masjid or whatever come and ask for some help or support, you know, give for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, especially somebody you'll never meet, you'll never see. It's easy to say that I love them for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala because there's no complications in the middle, right? Give, give in a way for those who there's no way you could have materially benefited from it. Emotionally benefited from it, socially benefited from it, any way you could have benefited. It's only for the sake of Allah. He says what? Allah Most High says on the Day of Judgment, where are those who, who uh, loved each other for the sake of my majesty? Uh, on this day I shade them in my shade, uh, 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 on such a day that there's no shade except for my shade. And this is important. Why? Uh, because if you can't do any else uh, from all this pious uh, stuff we talk about, being good friend to your friends itself is a, is a, an act of piety, right? Being good friends with each other, being a good husband, being good wife, being being good friends, being good with one another, right? You love your wife. Allah Taala is the the third third one who is happy with you. Then the two of you, if you love your friends, Allah is with you in that love that you have for your friends. Don't sell them out. Don't leave them high and dry. Don't be there for their happiness and then ditch them when they're sad or when they need help. Uh, uh, those types of friends are a curse. Don't be like that. If you don't have to hang out with everybody, just pick one or two people that you can actually be a real friend with. The rest of them are a waste of your time. Remember we talked about wasting time? Where is the doctor? Did you bounce? Yeah. So, right? Remember we talked about wasting time? Those people that you're not, not interested in being there for them in their hard, hard times, you're wasting their time and they're wasting your time. So, inshallah, alhamdulillah, we're in the home stretch. 
That's the last, the last page, inshallah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give tawfiq and accept it from us. This is the, uh, 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 this is, this is, this is possibly one of the most important lessons. So what differentiates the saints from common people, the awliya of Allah Ta'ala from the regular people is ikhlas. What is ikhlas? Ikhlas is, is sincerity. So the idea is what? The idea is that the deeds on the Day of Judgment aren't counted, they're weighed. Weight is an intrinsic property of matter. It's not something that you can visually assess. So two things may look exactly the same, one of them has different weight than the other. Deeds, the reason that deeds are given the metaphor of, of, of weight on the Day of Judgment, there's wazen and, 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 and scales, there's scale pans and weight, is that something may have looked really, really not like a big deal to some people, but it's heavy in the scale pans. And something may have looked like a really big deal, and to Allah Ta'ala it's meaningless. It's lighter than a feather. Uh, and Allah Ta'ala picked these, picked these metaphors for a reason. Allah Ta'ala says in His book, مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ كَمَثَلِ حَبَّةٍ أَمْبَتَتْ سَبَعَ سَنَابِلَ فِي كُلِّ سُمْبُلَةٍ مِئَةَ حَبَّةٍ وَاللَّهُ يُضَاعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ Allah Ta'ala said that the, the likeness of those who spend their wealth in the path of Allah Ta'ala, and the analogy extends to all good deeds, is the likeness of a person who, or is the likeness of a grain from which sprouts seven ears of corn, and every ear there is a hundred grains. And Allah Ta'ala will multiply for whoever He wills, and Allah is expansive and all-knowing. Meaning you do one deed, what is the deed, what is the deed, uh, 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 what is the deed, uh, um, akin to, it's like planting a crop. It's not that you did it and it's done. It's a crop you plant in the ground and the harvest is on the day of judgment. And between now and then there's a long time, there's a lot of things you can do to mess it up. Just like if you have a crop, if you go and stomp out the, the, the plant, it's going to die before it get, yields any, uh, uh, any grain, right? So how do you stomp out your deeds? Showing off by regretting having done the good deed, by talking nonsense, by doing sins, etc., etc. You'll mess up your, your good deeds that you had. Rather, you have to cultivate it until the Yom Al-Qiyamah. And that day will be a day of, of great harvest. And so here, you know, there's another other place in the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala says, Al-Hasanatu bi'ashri amthaliha That every good deed will be rewarded ten times its worth. That's not the, the, the hard and fast rule, that's the floor. The lowest level of, of recompense for an accepted deed is ten times its worth. Here, the mention is what? Seven hundred. There are seven ears from that one grain that sprout. Each of them has a hundred, hundred, uh, 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 hundred, uh, 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 what you call uh, grains in it. And Allah Ta'ala then says, وَاللَّهُ يُضَعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ قُرْتُبِ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكُ وَتَعَالَى He mentions what? He says that, uh, 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 um, he says, he says, uh, 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 um, that some people take this Ayah to mean that 700 is the cap. He says, if you read the ayah, that's not what it's saying. He, Allah Ta'ala mentions 700, and he says, Allah Ta'ala multiplies for whoever He wills. Meaning what? That it could be even more than that. The sky is the limit. The reason 700 is used is that the Arabs are an innumerate people. They're not skilled in mathematics and quantitative analysis. 700 is just a big number. Like, you know how like kids are, who's a million, billion, trillion, man? Like, it's, it's like just a big number, meaning like more than you can imagine. And the sky's the limit. There's no, uh, there are hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ says that a, um, a person's deeds will be 
rewarded 10 times their worth up to 700 except for fasting because fasting is for me and I'm the one who rewards for it. Fasting is not the only one. There are a number of deeds in which it's mentioned that, that it breaks the 700 uh, uh, limit if it's done with the requisite amount of sincerity. So Qurtubi rahimullah ta'ala says, يُضَعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ يَعْنِي عَلَى That he multiplies whoever, for whoever he wills, meaning even over 700. فَيَكُونُ مِثْلُ مُتَصَدِّقُ مِثْلُ الزَّارِعِ إِنْ كَانَ حَاذِقًا فِي عَمَلِهِ وَيَكُونُ الْبَذْرُ جَيِّدًا وَتَكُونُ الْأَرْضُ عَامِرَةً يَكُونُ الزَّرْعُ أَكْثَرُ فَكَذَلِكَ الْمُتَصَدِّقُ إِذَا كَانَ صَالِحًا وَالْمَالُ طَيِّبًا وَيَضَعُهُ فِي مَوْضِعِهِ يَضَعُ مَوْضِعَهُ فَيَصِيرُ الثَّوَابُ أَكْثَرًا خِلَافًا لِمَنْ قَالَ لَيْسَ فِي الْآيَةِ تَضْعِيفُ عَلَى سَبْعِمَائَةٍ So what is Qurtubi is saying? He says that, that, that he takes the analogy of the of the, the idea that a person like har, uh, uh, plants like a, a farmer plants their deeds. He says that a, a farmer, the, the crop that they plant, the yield is dependent on what, the, what land they put it in and how skilled they are as a farmer. And uh, uh, um, the, uh, let's see, what was the other thing? Uh, how skilled he has as, is as a farmer and how good the seed is that they use. So some seeds yield better versions of the crop and some seeds you know, yield smaller ones or bitter ones or whatever, right? So the likeness of the seed is the analogy of how halal the means you used in order to uh, do that deed. So if you just robbed a liquor store and you put the money in the masjid donation box, it's dead on arrival. The seed is like dead before you even planted it into the ground. Looks like you gave salaka, you gave nothing. The skill of the farmer is, 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 the analogy is to the amount of ilm, knowledge, that the, the, the person doing the deed has. That a person will know if I pray the prayer in such a way, or if I give the sadaqah in such a way, or if I you know, uh, 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 you know, give it at such and such time on a Friday better than another day, in the 10 days of, of Dhul Hijjah, or in the last 10 nights of Ramadan, or whatever. They know how to maximize uh, the yield based on how, how, they, how they plant the seed. And the third is what the, the land that the seed is put into, which is the cause that, that this, the, 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 the sadaqah or the deed is given for. Given, giving zakat receives more reward than giving sadaqah. Giving sadaqah that saves a person's life is more than donating to the SBCA. Giving something that will help an animal, also you'll receive reward for it, but helping a person is much more reward. Helping the person who is uh, going to starve to death receives more reward than helping the person who can't make the rent this month. Helping the person who can't make the rent this month will receive more reward than like, you know, building like the new chandelier in the masjid. Even though there's khair inshallah in all of them, hopefully. But the land, the analogy of the land is choosing your, your you know, what you uh, invest your deed in uh, uh, wisely. And how much wisdom and how much skill and how pure your means are the, the higher the index is in all of these things, the more the same deed will, will have the weight in the scale pan on the Day of Judgment. The same, that same deed can have more yield. This is what, these are all different, these are uh, 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 ways that the same deed can have more, uh, uh, have more acceptability from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the idea of this chapter is what? Don't be people who are like superficial people that you're like, oh look, you gave a million dollars, amazing, that's job done, wonderful, yay. Don't be a superficial person. Have some depth. And know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts through depth what He doesn't accept through uh, 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 just, you know, something having a gross, huge size or scale. 
uh, and the idea is that some people will come up Yom Al-Qiyamah and it will look like they have very few deeds, but they did them with so much sincerity that those things will tip the scale pans. And there will be people who come with a whole bunch of stuff, but all of it, you just blow and all of it flies away. That's how lighting, meaningless it is in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says in his book, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةٌ وَأَرْضُ اللَّهِ وَاسِعَةٌ وَاسِعَةٌ إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّ الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٌ And this is a proof for the lasting Qurtubi said. The lasting Qurtubi said was what? That 700 is not a cap. That you can go past 700. And this is the ayah of Surah Al-Zumr. That he quotes as a proof for his for his claim, which is what Allah says, "Oh my slaves that believe, fear your Lord. For those who do good in this world, uh, Allah has prepared good for them, and the 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 land of Allah Taala is wide. Meaning, if something's not working out one place, go to another place. Don't give up hope. Just keep trying." Those people who have patience, those people will be given reward without any sort of reckoning. Meaning what? No numbers mean anything, 700 or otherwise. The reward for sabr is what? Without any sort of reckoning. The sky's the limit. How much patience you have, that's how much reward you'll receive. So don't think of, uh, you know, don't think of things again, like this many dollars, that many dollars, this many times, that many times. The quality is what matters. The person who can do one deed with quality, for them to do the second deed with quality is easy. The person who does a hundred deeds without quality, to teach them how to do one deed with quality is very difficult. To teach them to do one deed with sincerity is very difficult, it's almost impossible. We live in an age where, you know, Muslims, Muslims, charge money to retweet like, uh, 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 you know, whatever, for good causes. Muslims charge money in order to, uh, uh, you know, say something in order to raise money for uh, the poor. Muslims charge money for all sorts of things. And the thing is, the whole ecosystem is messed up. Right? The ulama, nobody pays them, so then they have to turn, uh, then they turn the ilm into a business. It's not good either way. But it takes two hands to clap. You can't, one group of people just points the finger at the other one and everyone, nobody has any blame and the whole world is messed up and it's burning down. Everybody shares an equal uh, uh, portion in this. The idea is what? The idea is that, uh, 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 that like, you know, there are certain things you should do for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. You don't expect money for them. You don't expect money for them. You earn money so you can do these things for the sake of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Uh, and, you know, this is not something we should point fingers at others. This is something we should ourselves say. That when I take a service, I will pay for it. I'm not going to take a freebie. Or when I give a service, I'm going to give it for free. I'm not going to expect. Because what? I do this for the sake of Allah. Some of us are mubtala, we're, 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 we're challenged. Why? Because we actually do, uh, you know, this is what we do for a living. If we didn't do it for a living, then there's certain things that, no, you know, that, that they're not going to get done. Even people, if you find yourself in a position like that, that you, this is your means of livelihood, then do something or another from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you don't take anything for. And hope for that that's the thing that will pay off for you in the end, not the things that you're receiving compensation for. If Allah Ta'ala gives uh, reward for the things we receive compensation for as well, this is from His fadl. This is from His fadl, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy on all of us. When Sayyidina Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu, anahu sami'a Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqulu, إِذَا أَسْلَمَ الْعَبْدُ فَحَسُنَ إِسْلَامُهُ يُكَفِّرُ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِ كَانَ زَلَفَهَا وكان بعد ذلك القصاص الحسنة بعشر أمثالها إلى سبعمائة ضعف 
Sayyidina Abu Sayyid al-Khudri uh, said that he heard the Messenger of Allah وسلم, say when a slave submits uh, uh, to Allah Ta'ala i.e. enters Islam and makes good on his Islam, his Islam Allah makes it an expiation for every sin he ever uh, uh, committed or he ever came close to. Uh, after that, accounting is as follows. A good deed will be counted at anything from 10 times its worth all the way to 700. Again, here the word 700 is an expression meaning like more than you can count. It doesn't actually mean 700. And a sin will be not counted except for by its worth unless Allah forgives. Meaning what? Again, the deed that's done well, that deed has the possibility that it may eclipse another person's Thousand million deeds. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the, 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 the thing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa taught them is how to do things with sincerity. That's what took 23 years. Once they learned that, he like clocked out of this dunya very quickly actually. And he left the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they swept the earth in the, 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 the east and in the west. Why? Because the hard part of the lesson they learned. The conquests and things, those are easy afterward. The hard part of the lesson is what? How to become that person who has sincerity for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was always the pursuit of the Muslims. Nowadays we think that by being smart and good marketing and <coughs> you know, 100,000 YouTube followers and whatever, we're going to solve the world's problems. It doesn't work that way. That's how the problems begin in the first place. Don't you know that? The problems are solved through what? Through the prophetic methodology. That's why it's prophetic. It's not from this world. It's a tartib that's re- revealed by, ne- by revelation. Otherwise people wouldn't have known. But this is a prophetic methodology that what? That your deeds, if they're done right, one salat has the ability to eclipse, uh, uh, eclipse an, entire, uh, an entire qawm. Has the ability to turn thrones upside down. Has the ability to change the destin- destiny, not just of one person, but entire nations. Uh, uh, if we have people like that, the rest of it is not easy, but it's much easier. And the path opens up, just like Banu Israel is up against the, the sea, and the hosts of Fir'aun are barreling down on him on them. The ikhlas is what opens up the path to cross to the other side. It doesn't mean your work is over, but without it, you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to make it anywhere. It's the only thing that we have. We have a set of people who act like that's like the, like, you know, some sort of ancient religion of our uh, backwards forefathers. This is the only thing we have. It's the only thing we ever had in the first place. Without it, all of it is worthless. And none of it is going to end well. One said, Abi Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu qala qala nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallama la tasubbu ashabi falaw anna ahadakum anfaqa mithla uhudin dhahaban ma balagha mudda ahadihim wala nasifahu it's the khatima of the 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 the, the course called Mubarak, uh, uh, remembrance of the Sahaba of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam that sacrificed their every breath in their life in order that the word of Allah Taala should be supreme until the day of judgment, uh, to whom we owe everything that we have and who we love more than we uh, uh, love anything else in this world. He said sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He warned the ummah. He said, "Don't curse my companions. Don't curse my companions ever. Why?" Because if one of you were to give the mountain of Uhud and gold uh, as a uh, as sadaqah, it would not equal the two cupped handfuls uh, of anything that people spent for his sake. So in grain. So imagine, a mountain of Uhud and gold is literally maybe like more than a trillion dollars. 
right? It's a lot of money, like literally a trillion dollars. And the amount of grain is worth what? Probably less than a dollar. But why? Under this qanun that we mentioned, that's why they're the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. That the mountain of Uhud, if one of us gave it in sadaqah, it wouldn't be worth to Allah Ta'ala the, the, the two cupped handfuls of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, and not even half of it. Why? Because of their ikhlas, because of their sincerity. And guess what? They gave the mountain in gold at the rate of like the two cupped handfuls being more than our mountain of gold. And we're just showing up with, with very little at the end of this game. So we're more in need of ikhlas than they are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Allah ta'ala give, really we have everything. All we need is just a little bit of ikhlas. Allah ta'ala give us ikhlas. Allah ta'ala give us iman. Subhanahu rabbi al-alil a'la al-wahhab. Allah 